Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. To our second edition of Homeschooling Helps with Andrea Schwartz. And just for those who might not know who I am, I am a wife, a mother, and a grandmother who also happens to have home educated her children. And I continue to be an educator, an author. I've written a number of books and a mentor. And I have with me today my friend from last week, Nancy Wilk. And Nancy, is a former homeschool teacher herself, and now with her activities in Appomattox, Virginia, with Church and Maine, she is making her uh, experience known, and she's sharing it with other people who are coming up the ranks. So, Nancy, while I do a little bit of housekeeping here to make this live on the Calcedon Facebook page, um, why don't you tell people a little bit about you and Church and Maine? Sure. Thank you, Andre. I would love to do that. My husband and I, Don Wilk, um, we have church in Maine. And our idea with church in Maine is to, Whoops. well, we call Hang it on. a family. Okay. All right. Go on. Right. Sorry. Sure. My name is Nancy. My husband is Don Wilk. And we have um, what we call a family business ministry. The name of that is Church in Maine. And our idea is that um, church is not about a building, but people called of God to apply our faith in every area of life. And that the main thing is because Jesus is Lord of all, his word frames and informs everything that we do. So to be conscious of that and mindful of that so that we really uh, move what we say we believe as Christians into very, very practical application in every area of life. So one of those primary places we think is um, foundational is to return to God's word as the standard and um, begin to um, operate in those terms. So we do recognize that the education of the children is a biblical um, responsibility for the family. And so that's why we are particularly interested in the um, homeschooling. And we have in Appomattox an Appomattox area home educators. So that's what we're doing. Okay. And actually, you have one of your homeschool moms with you today who won't be on camera, but she will be in a position to ask questions. So let me just make some opening remarks and I'd like to, each time we have one of these get-togethers, is address the, or address the people who are contemplating homeschooling, address people who just got started, and people who are well into it. And I think what I'm about to say probably applies to all. And that is, in order to be effective in your kingdom service, in terms of being a home educator, you must have the conviction as to why you're doing this what purpose it serves. Um, it's one thing to be motivated, and it's great to be motivated. But when all is said and done, motivation is not enough. 
I can be motivated, for example, if I'm hungry to go get something to eat, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'll eat the right thing or that what I'm eating is healthy or it's even, you know, appropriate. I, I can be motivated and I could go steal the food and that would be wrong, right? So the goal is to have the conviction and without a conviction, you're not going to be able to weather the storms that will come up. And so where does the conviction come from? Well, whether you're thinking about starting or you just started or you're well into it, if you are not being daily renewed by your desire to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and if you're not motivated to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, then it's not that you can't have any success, but you're not going to have enduring success. Because right. as a home educator, who obviously you're a parent usually in that situation, you are a sinner dealing with other sinners. And if you don't have the standard of God's word governing you, not only are you not going to be able to handle the day to day, but it'll be hard to have a vision for the future. And the right. scripture tells us without vision, the people perish. And then it goes on to say, but happy are they who keep the law. Comments, Nancy? Uh, yes, ma'am. I think that really speaks to um, one of the things that we we had somebody say what last week, what was your 30-second elevator speech? If that 30 seconds doesn't immediately go right to God's call in our life, then you're right. We don't have um, the, the solid foundation. We don't have the confidence to stand when it gets hard, and it will get hard. Yes, it will get hard. But you tell me about anything that's worthwhile in life that doesn't get hard. Yeah, I mean, marriage awesome. is hard. Having a job is hard. Having neighbors is hard. If hard becomes the benchmark that says, oh, well, then this won't work because it's hard, then nobody would do anything. Right. Now, there's one more thing that I, I think about that, Andrea, and that is none of us are born again with perfect theology. And we people are homeschooling for lots of different reasons. So perhaps, you know, people are starting to homeschool because they want their children to be safe or they don't want their children to be exposed to some of the sex education classes or the drugs or the school shootings or whatever. Uh -huh. So is it okay if we start homeschooling and grow in our understanding and conviction of why we need to maintain it? Well, that's like saying, do you have to know everything about a subject before you learn it? No, obviously not. But I'll tell you this, if you're not grounded in God's word or are not seeking to be grounded in God's word, then you're going to have a built-in problem that knows what to do and when. Now, I took three kids all the way through high school. Am I a scientist? Not by any means. However, what it I was teaching and what things I exposed them to, I was in a position to interpret it in terms of God's word. Now, there's some people who are going to say, well, that's a very insular education. Absolutely. That's exactly what I wanted to give them, an education that was going to be grounded in God's word so that they saw that all aspects of life have their root in understanding what God says and how we are to interpret it. Because there's no such thing are just facts that live out there. 
all facts are going to be interpreted somehow. And my choice, and I believe those who are seeking to serve God, want to make any facts interpreted via God. Right, right. And last last week we discussed that um, education was about preparing our children for usefulness. And as Christians, that usefulness has to be in terms of God's call in our life. Right. And the question is, what does it mean to be useful? I mean, if your neighborhood got flooded, is it useful for someone to be able to explain what a flood is? Or would it be useful for one of your children to go and help your neighbors get their pets or help neighbors that were elderly or whatever? The purpose is to be useful in the service of God. And that's why we study everything else. Because it's not so that we'll have a nice day. That's not the point. Right, right, right. Okay. Any other question? Uh, yeah, I had um, Roberta ask me um, if we think that um, if we think that Christian um, parents are mandated by God to absolutely teach every single thing. So would you like to address that? You mean you think your child has a gift of playing the violin, but you've never played the violin. Is God telling you, you must be the person who teaches the violin. Okay. That's a silly example because nobody would ever think, well, if I can't play the violin, that means then my children can never learn the violin. No, but you always remain the overseer, the manager, the person who's filtering things. So I'll give you a good example, and music is an example. I wanted my children to learn how to play the piano. I did not know how to play the piano. I wanted my children to be able to sing. If anybody heard me sing right now, they would say, very nice, Andrea, but could you please turn down the volume? And I'm okay with that because when I sing praises to God, he accepts them, but I could understand that others don't. So when I put my children into situations where they had to be taught or were going to be taught by someone else, I wanted to make sure that the people I was putting them under the tutelage of were going to respect, if nothing else, respect our religious views. They didn't always have to be Christian because a lot of times I couldn't find one. But I remember there was one instance and I made it very clear to the teacher that these are the things I wanted my child to learn. I wanted her to teach the child the music, but I would like her to learn how to play certain hymns. Well, little did I know that this person had a troubled background with things having to do with church and Christianity. And she really was fighting this. And my daughter would say, well, she doesn't really want me to do this. And I just said, well, I'm the one paying her, so she'll do it. Well, she got really irritated one day and took her marker and scribbled over the entire hymn book. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. So when she came, my daughter came back and she showed me this. I was I was like, well, we, we have to make a change. But just to make my point, I said to the woman, I hope you're going to replace my hymn book because you just damaged it. And not only was that a bad representation to my daughter, but that wasn't right. Anyway, she did. She did replace it. But pretty soon I could see that this wasn't going to be a workable relationship anymore. And so I found another piano teacher. And this one happened to be someone that I knew who was Christian. 
So ideally speaking, you want to be on the same uh, basis or foundation with someone, but you have to stay the manager. If you just say, well, I don't know anything about piano, so I don't have anything to say on this, then you are shirking your responsibilities. So I hope that helps Roberta understand her role as a parent. Right. Uh, one of the things that I, I think that we also need to keep in mind is that there are, while there are plenty of scripture verses that would would point us to um, uh, the parents being the primary educators of the children. We can also look at it as a first and a second um, commandment. It is, you said last week that we are um, looking at um, the crown rights of Jesus Christ. We're looking right. at the dominion mandate and we're looking at the great commission. So um, I, I, I do want you to, to look at, uh, explain those um, words, uh, phrases for people that may not be accustomed to those, but also to think about God says that um, he's God. And the second commandment tells us not to have any other gods before him. So when we put our, we may not be able to teach our violin, but we don't want them to, to learn violin from somebody that is going to be, denying them the uh that uh or or contrary to those two commandments to us as christians exactly so you mentioned the dominion mandate dominion mandate the two great commandments and the great commission all these things are related to each other you might say they're different ways to say the same thing okay. so god created mankind for his glory now I've been a Christian a long time, and I think I begin to understand what that means. Because you see, I have a life filled with sin. Hopefully, as time has gone on, I've become less sinful and more sanctified unto the Lord. But I can't ever have a perspective on what it's like to be a sinless, perfect, infinite God. So somehow or other, in God's plan, it works to have us here. But he doesn't just say, okay, I've created you, now go off and do whatever. There are definite guidelines that are given in scripture. And the first one we see is the dominion mandate to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Well, obviously, that's on God's terms, not on man's terms. But of course, there's this Garden of Eden episode where a serpent comes in and says, oh, you don't have to listen to that. And besides, the only reason he wants you to listen to that is to deny you the knowledge that you deserve. Well, that temptation is the same temptation we hear from from then till now. In other words, we don't have to listen to God because you see it's God who's trying to hold us back as opposed to the creator tells the creation how to live. So following that, when Jesus is on earth and he summarizes after being asked what's the greatest commandment, he basically says to love God completely. And of course, many other places, he says that love is the following of the law. So if you say, I love God, but deny his law or don't follow his law, then you don't love God because God gets to decide what the definition of love is, not me or not anybody else. Right. And if then when Jesus, Jesus said, I said, go on. Yeah, if Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And he wasn't talking about a new commandment. He was referring back to the Old Testament uh, commandments. Exactly. 
And then to finish with the third thing, the Great Commission, when Jesus was right prior to ascending to heaven, he gave us our charge. He basically said, you are my ambassadors. Now, I want you to go out and tell people what I told you. I don't want you to make up new stuff. I don't want you to try to tailor it so it's more acceptable to this pagan group or this heathen group. I want you to render my words faithfully. And that really is what evangelism is. Evangelism is speaking for God, God's words after him to those who are eager to hear it because God has given them the gift of faith. So this whole idea of trying to force people into the kingdom, force people to become Christians, it doesn't work. We can't do that. We, God doesn't need marketers. He doesn't need advertisers. What he needs are faithful what he needs. He doesn't really need anything. But what he gives us to do is to be faithful ambassadors to share what it is that will please him. So we're to make disciples and teach them everything God has commanded. And homeschooling is the great place to start because in a lot of ways you have a captive audience as a parent. Right. I have been in churches and the, the, the idea is to go out in evangelism and canvas the neighborhood and knock on doors and make disciples of nation of the nations. And it was always out there somewhere. It was in Africa or on a mission trip. And my conviction is that we can't make disciples out there if we're unwilling to make disciples in here. And that means to start with our own, our own thoughts being uh, brought to um, captivity of, and making them obedient to Christ for our own um, our own thinking to be transformed by the word of God first and to disciple our own children and put our own households in order before we can go disciple the nations. We have to start where we are. Well, I agree with you in part because you're true. You have to start where you are. But I don't want anybody to have the idea that you have to get it so perfectly done before you can share this idea with other people. Because if there's anything true about homeschooling is that the products of homeschooling in process and afterwards usually stand out because they're different. And that difference has a lot to do with the one-on-one -on -one attention and in Christian homeschooling, the grounding in God's word, no matter how immature the, the theology is when you start. Now, you always got to start where you are, but you don't want to stay where you are. You want to be able to advance. And so just in terms of relating to extended family or relating to people in your church or relating to people in your neighborhood or vendors you deal with, you have the ability to let your light shine and you're supposed to. But when it shines and when you get compliments, the scripture says, make sure they know where that comes from so that they'll glorify your father in heaven. And as we do that and we become ambassadors, we're going to attract the people God is calling. And I might point out that at times you'll attract the people who want to stop people um, from obeying God and following him. In either case, we're called to be faithful and count on God to, to protect us against those who would try to do us harm and to reach out and be able to effectively meet those people who he's calling to himself. Okay, great. Thank you. Right. 
All right. We get any questions yet coming up on the feed? Let's see. I don't have any uh, questions yet, but we do have lots of folks watching. We've got um, Calcedon folks. We've got uh, people from Texas. And um, we also have, like I said, my friend and homeschool mom here, Roberta. And um, Roberta is actually from, um, she was, she's actually from Cameroon. Oh, wow. So, yeah, she has a little bit uh, different um, perspective on our culture and our education and our church than sometimes we we do when we've been here for a long time. So I see. Uh, OK. All right. So can I bring up another topic that I've been thinking about? And a lot of the times what I bring up has to do with mentoring situations or classes that I have given during the week. Uh, those people who are watching may not know that I do online biblical law classes and I have three or four going at the present. And a lot of times questions come up or um, issues that people want to have some clarification on. Well, one of the issues that came up this week had to do with a mother who was struggling because it's not that her husband wasn't in favor of homeschooling. It's, the, it's, it's just that he seemed to be so consumed with making his young son excel to the point that his son's success or how people viewed the family was way more important than how God viewed what they were doing. And this is a temptation, which I certainly fell into at the outset, was making my own children's academic success an idol. In other words, I wanted to prove to family and neighbors and friends and other people in church that homeschooling was the right way to go. So my child had to be the best in everything. And oftentimes, that resulted in my smart children figuring out that the academic portion was way more important than other things. And so sometimes I got a lot of talk back. I got a lot of disrespect, but I was going to soldier on because you see, we have to have great academic success until one day God made it very clear to me with some of the reaction I was getting with one of my children that is this really what you want to produce? You want to produce a very smart person who disregards you and disregards God's law. And that really changed my focus. And did that mean that it didn't matter if people got the right answer or not, or if they actually did their assignment? No. But what really mattered then was that they understood what we were doing and why we were doing it. You would be amazed, Nancy, at how many people's children don't know why they homeschool. If you ask them, why do your parents homeschool? They say, I don't know. Maybe they're That's cheap. Right. I've heard this sometimes. They don't want to spend the money or <laughs> they don't want to do drugs or whatever it is. Well, maybe those are reasons. But if that's the ultimate reason, we're now back to the conviction. You just don't want them to do drugs. Well, maybe there's other ways you can figure it out. Or maybe if you're cheap and you suddenly came into a lot of money, then your whole conviction would change. Um, right. Because it's got to be grounded on obedience to God. Right. You bring up an important uh, point, I think, Andrea, because I absolutely agree with you that there are people and there are times when we do make our family, our educational um, uh, success an idol. 
but you're throwback 40 years ago, 30 years ago, and when homeschool was not legal and not popular, and we really did have to demonstrate that this was not just a just an option, but that it was um, that that there really was um, a possibility and not just possibility frequently an academically um, superior to some of what was happening in the public schools. So we have we have that issue. And then we also have now a trend where everybody wants to unschool or do this grace based parenting. And um, it's and what really may be happening to, on the total opposite end of that is parents who are really letting their children raise themselves. And so we don't want to make this about um, methods um, or a, a program, but, but really that conviction. So as Christians, not just having a sub academic superiority or, or grace-based parenting, but right. the, well, let me just say this, Nancy. Okay. It was always the same now. It's just that people didn't get it. Right. So if I was afraid that people would think that my homeschooling was bad and therefore I was going to be challenged, that was an example of not being grounded on God's word and that God wanted me to do this in obedience. If you're not homeschooling in obedience to God's word, like I said, you could have some modicum of success, but you won't have enduring success. Because right. you see, it's God. Right. What's that? They would still be missing the point, the biblical point. Exactly. And so for the people who thought, well, we had to show that we were superior. Well, let me just say this. If the person who has their child not in a state school did nothing else besides put a book in their hand and said, read, they would end up better served than having come out of a, a public school. All right. Because they would be governed by the idea of God has commandments and God has requirements. They're not going to get that in a public school. But back then, when I was so concerned, it was a lack of trust on my part that God would give me the desire of my heart to be obedient to him and educate my child. The book of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Every homeschool parent should memorize that. And anytime they get afraid of the superintendent or the knock on the door, I'm not suggesting that you be reckless. I'm suggesting that you trust in God, that if you're doing what he says to do, even if you get opposition, count on the fact that God will be there with you. Because how can anybody stand against you if God is for you? And that's the conviction that I'm homeschooling or in some cases, you can't homeschool, but you provide a good Christian education through a good Christian faithful day school that in your obedience, God will bless. Right. Right. Very good. Okay. What else? What, what else? else? Okay. Um, well, I mean, I, I was hoping that we would have some folks uh, 
asking questions and um, it's okay if we don't. Uh, this gets replayed and hopefully people will benefit from it. But uh, yeah. I want to go just as long as we're useful. Okay. Well, um, one of the things that Roberta and I were talking about earlier was how sometimes people just don't get it, you know? And the reason they don't get it, she reminded me, the reason that we don't get it is because there is promised confusion when we deny the command of the Lord. So we can't be surprised or upset when our, our neighbors, our parents, or other folks don't understand it. I know when I was um, homeschooling early on, I've had pastors say, I can't agree with you because I will alienate 90% of my congregation who send their children to public school. I've had pastors tell me that I was being absolutely rebellious and that I, I'm the one with a issue of um, uh, authority because everybody knows that that uh, the public school is a requirement and that tyranny, there's um, uh, not tyranny, tyranny, uh, truancy is against the law. So there are plenty of people who don't get it and are not going to understand, but we have to understand as parents that this is God's call on our life as Christians to walk in his ways and train up our children to do that. And you're right. When we can see that and walk confidently in that, we don't have to be afraid. Right. And sometimes the greatest opposition, unfortunately, is going to come from so-called fellow believers. And I, I understand a pastor. I've encountered them and I've had discussions with them. If they came out and said, you shouldn't send your children to public school and they happen to have public school teachers in their congregation or people who are putting their children in public school, those people might leave the church. But this goes back to, do we preach to please God or do we preach to please men? And so there are many instances in history where people decided that it was more important not to rock the boat than to obey God. And Jesus gives us a great example with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were concerned with keeping their position, not alienate, alienating the Romans, but at the same time, when they failed to acknowledge Jesus as the Christ, he told them, this is going to turn out well for you. And if you know your history, it didn't. Right, right, right. Um, another thing that I want to do here, Andrea, is think about, um, you know, we have rules for so many different things. And it's okay for us to have rules for football, rules for um, ballet and um, violin. But sometimes we don't like to hear God's rules for life. What I want us to be able to do in these homeschooling um, answers is to, you know, how um, in baseball, when the umpire has to step out periodically and brush off the, the, um, the home base plate, you know, so that's what I want us to be able to do. We want to we want to come up and and um, clear off that um, home base so that we know what that goal is and we can encourage one another and remind one another of, of what we're supposed to be doing. 
Now, Roberta, let me just say something. I love your I love your sports analogy. And Nancy and I have spent some time together, and she always has a football analogy or a baseball analogy. But let's take the baseball analogy. That's a great analogy. When the guy gets up to the plate and the pitcher is pitching him the ball, he's not wondering what the goal is. He knows what the goal is. He's trying to hit the ball and either get on the base or hit the ball really, really far and maybe get two or three bases. But he knows what a home run is. I think a lot of times people come to the plate. They love Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. I know I, I love God. And you say, okay, so how do you show it? Well, I, I sing in church. I go to church on Sundays. Oh, okay. Where do your children go to school? Right. Right. So they, have, they have no idea how to score. They don't have any idea what winning looks like. And if you want to win in life God's way, you better know the rules and you better know what's following the rules and what's not following the rules. And don't make it think, though. I don't want people to think, oh, Christianity is just a bunch of rules. Well, as you put it, <laughs> you don't get to score in baseball unless you do it according to the rules. So this should not be a hard concept because if you drive on the freeway, there are rules um, every April 15th, which is coming up. Uh, not that we like it, not that it's right, but if you don't pay your taxes, there are consequences. So why should it be so unusual that God has rules? Right. That's right. That's right. So we need to be able to, um, to know those rules, know those boundaries and not be afraid to call one another when we when we're outside of those bounds or when we hit a foul ball or when we make a strike there's rules for that and it's okay to identify them and call them as they really are but you have to know the rules to be able to do that right the way modern evangelical christians often will say it is the ball gets thrown you miss it and then you look at the umpire and say well can't you say i hit it I wanted to hit it. I really tried to hit it. I mean, isn't it enough that I desire it? No, because we're, we don't do that anyplace else in life, but somehow or other people have drunk the Kool-Aid that says God doesn't care if you violate his words. He does care. And he also cares in the other sense, when you follow it, then if you go back to the book of Malachi in obedience, God's word says we will not be able to outrun his blessings. Just think about that. I'm not very fast. So I wouldn't say, okay, so I, I can't outrun God's blessing. But think of the fastest person you know. Think of the person who wins Olympic events. They, too, will not be able to outrun God's blessings if they're faithful. And I just did another sports analogy. My husband's going to think, oh, wow, i finally gotten through to her. <laughs> Right. Well, it really does matter that at, that as Christians, as parents, that the inclination of our heart is toward God's word. And that is going to enable us to remain in humility and submit, continue to submit ourselves to his word so that we can appropriately teach our children how to um, things. So what we would really, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're going to say something. I was going to say something, you know, before our children can become disciples of Jesus Christ, they're going to be our disciples. They're going to follow what mom and dad say. They're going to want to be 
just like dad or just like mom. And they're going to, you know, you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nine times out of 10, whatever their daddy does, that's what they're going to be. And when they get older, they may change that a little bit. But the goal is to teach our children that we are also under the same authority they are under. The difference is at this stage of their life, God has put us over them to guide them how to then one day become their own disciples in Jesus Christ. Because nobody gets into heaven by saying, well, I knew my mother, I knew my father, I knew this person. We have to know God and we have to have that relationship that says he is God and our job is to do what he tells us to do. Right, right, right. We are not the ones that, um, that salvation is of the Lord. We can't bring our children to salvation. We have to be faithful to do what God has required of us and to recognize that our authority is from God and is limited and is, um, is, is our responsibility to, to, but that salvation is of the Lord. So he will turn our children's hearts towards him. Right. And we still have to be faithful to proclaim his truth. Right. And just keep in mind for a lot of the people who watching now or will be watching, there are going to be people who don't understand this motivation. Okay. So what? When it, when it comes right down to it, you've got to live your life in such a way that you can say, and that you're doing what you feel called to do. And that when your life is over and you encounter Jesus face to face, that he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, as opposed to, I never knew you. To me, the I never knew you are the scariest words in scripture. I personally never want to hear it. And I don't care how upset people make me. I don't ever want to hear it for them either. Right. right. So we're coming to the end of our time, the allotted time that we have. And let me say just a couple of things in closing. I recommend if you have not read my books that you go to Amazon.com and look up Andrea Schwartz. Or you can go to calcedonstore.com and look up Andrea Schwartz. And my goal in writing these books is so that people can get an understanding of where I'm coming from and then be able to ask questions. Because the best students aren't the students who give great answers. The best students are the students who ask good questions. And by good questions, I don't mean sophisticated questions or well-parsed questions. I mean questions that are on their heart. Because chances are, if you have that question, then other people have it as well. And that's why the Facebook forum is a good one, because you'll say, oh, yeah, I, that's exactly something that I would have asked. And I imagine there are a lot of people, Nancy, who had questions on the things you brought up. So it's my hope that people do this and that they will even send in questions ahead of time, if not live. And if it turns out that there are people watching this who think, you know, there's actually a better time because like I said last week, we're across so many time zones. So it's afternoon for you. It's still mid morning for me, depending on where you are in the world. And we really would like to be able to um, help other people in other places. And so if you're out there and you say, I have a whole group of people that might be interested in asking questions, but this time doesn't work, 
I'll work to find another time, uh, maybe not with Nancy because maybe she'll be asleep or whatever. And I'm not averse to being up late in order to help people in different parts of the world. The goal is that we really are supposed to help each other and our experience can be useful for you and your questions can be useful for other people. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you have anything else you want to close with before we say we're done? Well, um, how about let's pray? Can we do that? Sure. I'll let you. Okay. Father God, you are great and worthy of our praise. I thank you for today. I thank you for the fact that you have called us by name, that we belong to you. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives to make us to be the people that you called us to be, that our lives will bring you glory and that we would be a faithful witness to you. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. See you all next time. Very Bye -bye. good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.